How do you go from an idea in your head to a prototype to solve a problem for you to creating perhaps the most popular MIDI controller on stage with playback techs? You're gonna find out exactly how in today's interview with my good friend, Jeff Kaler. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome back to Behind the Space Bar. If this is your first time, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. This is a podcast for people that perform on stage with Ableton Live. And today you get the privilege to hear from my good friend, Jeff Kaler. Uh, Jeff is uh, the designer, creator, founder, um, uh, mastermind behind Oaktone. And Oaktone makes some really incredible software as well as hardware. You'll hear us discuss that in the episode. Um, but Jeff does some really, really cool stuff. You're gonna hear in the episode his journey from um, learning uh, music, becoming a musician, becoming a singer-songwriter. Um, uh, you'll hear about his journey to becoming an Ableton Live certified trainer. Uh, I do not share the traits that Jeff has that would allow me to create MIDI controllers successfully, but uh, we are both Ableton Live certified trainers, so uh, really proud and privileged to be in the family, uh, that same family as Jeff. Um, you'll hear about how he, again, went from literally an idea in his head to creating a prototype for himself, uh, exposing it to a, a group of people that, that said, hey, I think this could be a thing, and then went and developed that into Oaktone, both software and hardware. Um, so there's a lot of really good stuff in the episode. Plus, you're going to hear maybe some new stuff Jeff has coming. Uh, as well as uh, some potential product ideas that are rolling around in his head that may have been inspired by a previous episode of Behind the Space Bar. So uh, I'm super excited. I was really excited to hear about that when uh, Jeff and I talked, and I think you'll really enjoy that as well too. Now, before we get to today's episode, there's a couple things I wanna throw out just to, to say, um, hey, if you have some time, consider doing this. Number one, if you wanna dive deeper into learning how to use Ableton Live on stage, um, you can check out all my YouTube tutorials. I've got a lot of great stuff. We'll talk about that here in a moment. But the absolute fastest, best way, most efficient way for you to do that is to head to fromstudiotostage.com slash subscribe and become a part of the From Studio to Stage community. That's where I devote all my time, all my efforts to creating courses, um, content, templates, uh, hanging out in the community there, answering questions, uh, and spending time um, almost daily with the folks in that community, just trying to encourage them and help them learn how to perform on stage with Ableton Live. So if that's you, if you want to dive further into that subject, again, from studiostage.com uh, slash subscribe is the best thing you can do. Uh, two, if you're not willing to do that, if you're not ready for that quite yet, you're still on the fence, you're just hanging out, um, or maybe you've already done that and you want uh, another way to kind of benefit uh, this content, uh, I always want this podcast to be free for you and to uh, hopefully you find valuable content and enjoyment uh, out of this content. And a great way to do that is if you're watching on YouTube, uh, hit the subscribe button, enable the bell icon. It's a free way to say thank you and to make sure you see exactly when I go live with new content and you don't miss out on anything. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, consider subscribing or following. It's free. Um, and again, you'll get brand new episodes downloaded each week uh, directly to your device, whether that's a phone, computer, TV, however you're watching or listening. Um, and if you enjoy this uh, episode in particular, if you enjoy this content, uh, if you're on YouTube, consider leaving a comment, engaging with the comment. I know it's not a live stream per se, but you know, respond to things Jeff are, are, is saying. If something sticks out to you that you like, let me know in the comments. If you want to ask a question, if you have an idea for a future guest, respond to that stuff. I love hearing from you guys and do my best to try to respond to every comment as much as I can. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, consider leaving a rating or review. That really helps. And then also share this with your friends if you think it is valuable. All of those are ways that this content can stay free to you and continue to provide value. And you also support my efforts and what I do. This is what I do full time. 
this is all I got. And if this falls through, I'm just going to Disney World full time. Somehow I'll find the way and that's what I'll do. So until then, uh, let's get into today's episode with Jeff. I'm dreaming about going to Disney World full time now. But let's get into uh, today's episode with Jeff and learn the history and what it took for him to come up with this pedal. Uh, Jeff, thanks for being here, man. Yeah, happy to be here, Will. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I like starting these conversations in maybe a weird, awkward place, but uh, hitting people up front with a very difficult question. But um, if you had to pick, and, and if you've heard a few of these beforehand, you may already know the question, so this may be, un- you may have an unfair advantage. But okay. if you had to pick one thing that you would say you are uniquely talented at, something you see other people struggle, but you were like, this just comes really easily. Or if you had to pinpoint, like, I have an unfair advantage, the way you see the world, something like that. If you had to pick one mm. thing, as close to one thing as you could get, what would you say that would be? Mm. Uh, I think I would have to say, um, that's a good question. I think I I have an ability to uh, synthesize the... Um, kind of the issues at hand and then come up with a concise, simple solution. Um, and this, this isn't, I'm not really even talking about Oak Tone right now. I'm, I'm kind of thinking more if, if I'm in a brainstorming meeting with, um, with a staff and I, I just kind of, um, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I have that, that gift, that, that ability to kind of, look at, okay, here's the problem. Here's, here's the, um, kind of the range of solutions. And I don't know, I, 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 I feel like that, and that's kind of, that's super vague, that's super, like a not very tangible answer, but I, I don't know. I, I think it does bleed over into some of the Oak Tone stuff. Uh, cause, yeah. cause I mean, the stuff at Oak Tone is not that challenging. It's not that, um, it's not that complex, but I think a lot of people have an aha moment when they see it. And they're like, oh, yeah, that, why hasn't this existed? So um, I guess it does kind of um, feed into that. But I'd say that's that's my superpower if I have one. So That's amazing. Well, and the reason I asked that is because as you were talking and you're – I think there's this unique talent that I see in some people. And, and I see bits of it in myself. And so when I see people kind of mention this, I, I kind of want to dig deeper, but I think there's, there's something to be said. And again, I see this represented in the stuff you're doing at Oaktone. And so maybe that's a good entry point into this conversation. Mm. And I, I kind of want to work backwards in your history. Um, but there, there's this, this kind of ability to one, be aware and notice, you know, and, um, and I think in our world, sometimes that's boiled down to what's the problem. And that's like a real, uh, I think a lot of programmers and computer programmers have that ability of like really clearly defining what the problem is. Um, it, but it seems like, at least with Oaktone, my perception from the outside looking in is you're kind of like take, taking a little bit of this and taking a little bit of that. And again, I think a sign of a really good product is when you you said this earlier, but you see it and you go, oh yeah, of course, like that's that's what it should be. Right. Um, but I but you know I look and this is also an audio form, which is terrible because I'm referencing something visually. <laughs> but uh, I'll put this in the show notes, a link if you guys want to check this out. But even looking at the Oakboard Mini, like when you first sent me uh, a preview of this, 
Um, and, and I had no clue you were working on this. At least I don't think so. But you sent an email and said, hey, I'm launching this company. And I looked at the the, the controller and I thought, man, this is perfect because um, one, I mean, the way I teach and the way I've used tracks for many years is like, I literally do four things, play, stop, previous, and X. And so I looked at this and I was like, that's essentially all I need. And then we've got yeah. these extra two buttons, but it's like, it, it feels like you kind of looked at the landscape of what's going on in a world of, um, let's have endless options and endless things. And you said like, what's the most simplistic, but, um, and I look at things that are simple as elegant things, you know, mm. like, um, every button that's on here is intentionally put on here. That's not just put on because we had some extra buttons and we decided to throw them on. Um, but again, maybe this is a good place to start. Tell us, um, you know, I'm maybe building a, a fake backstory here that maybe you had none of those conversations <laughs> with yourself, but yeah. tell us one, what Oaktone is and, and, um, why you started making pedals and software kind of in the first place. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Oaktone is, um, I call it a live show MIDI control business. So yeah. basically the things that go around controlling with MIDI, your live show, um, I, I like to dabble in that area, that world. Um, our tagline is stage tools for storytellers, but that's not as explicit as live show MIDI control. And so, um, I, I really, um, as a musician performer, I've, I've done music in, in big churches for uh, many years. And so, um, started using tracks and started realizing it, I'm the tech guy, but I'm also the, the song leader and I'm also the musician, the guitarist. And so it was it kind of became clear early that it was real awkward for me to turn to my laptop, push the space bar and then turn around and like, pretend like I didn't just like check email or something. And so, yeah, um, it kind of, it kind of necessity. I kind of just felt like, okay, I need some way to just be a little more discreet to, to stay connected to the room while the next song is getting counted in. And I, I was kind of the MD, and so I, I kind of didn't have an ability to, I don't know, it was just kind of out of necessity for me to um, create some kind of foot controller. And so I, I started making uh, just a, a simple four-button uh, foot controller, taught myself some electronics, and hmm. um, and it was... It it didn't even have like I I wouldn't I wasn't using the readouts or anything but then I realized it would be nice if you know the the band that I was playing with who's not they're not like touring musicians these are weekend warriors who come in and they they you know are playing they're volunteering at a at a church and so um, for us to start a song you know even if it's only a four or five song set. Um, it would help a lot if we had like a slate that said this is a song and and these are this is the key that we're in because we just changed it five minutes before the service started and so <laughs> yeah um, so all these kind of things were just like okay that that would be super helpful and I started learning Max for Live to figure out how to make what would become Taz and so um, again that was all I kind of anticipated doing was just making a couple things that would help my um, what I was doing go smoothly. And just so just you personally there was no like right i'm making this for this person that person you're just like i'm trying to solve my own problems right now exactly exactly and then i and then i went to um i went to master track in la with hmm. laura yeah. escuday in 2017 and i had just been um i had just kind of brought both of these ideas to a little bit of fruition the foot the foot controller i was using and also the 
um, old version of Taz. I think it was called something like, uh, I, I don't know what, I'd have to look it up. It was just a generic name, but um, I just kind of got good feedback and people were like, oh, this is awesome. I, I would totally use this. And these were these were folks who were already doing playback. These were folks who were kind of like me, just kind of learning learning how to do play, playback in a very systemized way. And I think a lot of people do playback, but it's until you kind of figure out best practices, it's yeah. can be it can be a, a pain. And so um, I, I really went there to kind of figure out, okay, how do the pros really do this? And how much do I need to learn and everything? So, but being in that environment, it was kind of like um, a, a bit of confirmation. Um, people were like, oh, this is this is kind of interesting. I, I think I think I could use something like this. And that, that made me think about um, doing a, a little desktop controller. And I actually went back and uh, built like a, and Laura may have shown it at some point on, on her online stuff, but I made like a little six button, um, very kind of sharp edges, aluminum box, but it was, it had six buttons and it was just sort of, it had two MIDI output, two USB outputs. Um, okay. um, because we were talking all about redundancy in the master track workshop. And I thought this could be kind of cool. And I sent that to Laura just as a gift. And, um, anyway, so, so little things like that along the way, I've kind of, um, taught me, Hey, this could actually be useful and, um, appreciated and valuable to people. And so, uh, yeah, I, I launched Oak Tone and I, I made 25 of each unit and I was oh, worried wow. I wasn't going to sell enough to, to recoup my cost. And so, uh, yeah, that's kind of where we started. So can you tell me, um, <clears throat> I, I, I just, I I think most people that watch my content know about Oak Tone. Most people listening to this will either come from your channel or my channels, so likely know what you're doing, but for people that are just kind of like getting into this, um, yeah. I, I love how you describe, uh, what you called it, was it tools for storytellers, stage tools for yeah. storytellers? Is that the term? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. What is, uh, maybe give us a quick rundown of, of what you offer, um, yeah. and then what you would say would separate you, um, you know, and, and maybe we have like a part two conversation of, of this, or maybe we'll get into some of this, but what separates you from, um, I don't want to throw another company under the bus, but like a large manufacturing company that makes, you know, pro audio and makes guitars and makes this and also happens to make a MIDI controller. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're a pretty small operation. Will. <laughs> uh, so it, it's, it's kind of, I think that's the main separation in my mind. I think, um, yeah. So I'll, I'll kind of start back with your first question. So it, we, we make, um, live show MIDI control, stage tools for storytellers. Basically, um, I've tried to kind of set my sights on folks who are using a computer to perform on stage, um, mm. whether it's music or whether it's theater. I think there are a lot of applications that this goes to. I've actually met somebody I'm talking to about doing some broadcast solutions, um, like, oh, cool. like television broadcast, because they use computers for teleprompters, but he was like the the stuff that people use to advance the teleprompters isn't even like doesn't even it, it's not even you know meant to be used for that and which is exactly why I started the company to start with people are using stuff that wasn't really meant to be um controlling computers for playback so hmm. uh, the example I always give is um when I was in LA that first time um I kind of 
had an opportunity as a result of of Master Track to go over to one of the rehearsal studios in um, there in Burbank, I think, and got to sit in and actually run playback for a rehearsal for a band that was doing a pilot for a TV show called Songland, and um, the band was killer. It was uh, it was Usher's band. It was. Nice. Natural. I don't know if you know Natural, but it's a, it's a he's an MD in LA, and he he kind of tours with a, a ton of people now, but Ariana Grande and a few others. But um, so it was his band, and I'm running playback, and there's a lot of pressure, and I've got this little Akai like drum pad thing <laughs> that I'm using to to run playback, and you know those things are meant to, it's it's good if they hit like. 100 times per second. Um, it's, yeah. it's good if you can kind of get a fast drum roll out of out of the thing. Um, but it's bad if you only want it to hit one time or if your finger's resting on it and you, you want to hit it right at the right time. And you don't know if you pushed it. You don't. There's no feedback. You might have hit it twice. And so your set drops down to two instead of one. And so yeah. it's, it was just kind of like some issues that I'm sure a lot of people who've done playback for a while know about and so i kind of just saw that and i was like okay there's a pain point there's something i can address in a controller so i made this little box the oak board mini that you showed um and that's kind of a yeah so so made that and it has it has tactile buttons and it has programming built in that won't let it fire more than like 10 times a second which is way slower than any midi controller out there and so um and then there's um, the Oakboard Slide Duo is kind of a a mature version of the thing I was describing that that I made for Laura Escuday. It was just sort yeah. of a two USB outputs because um, people are buying Play Audio 12s just so they can start and stop two computers at the same time. Um, and it also switches and does all that stuff. But but other people ha- already have the automatic switcher. They just they need a way to you know to get that MIDI to both computers w- without having to worry about one failing or whatever. So um, yeah. Slide Duo has f- faders built in, but it also has the um, the two USB outputs. And the other main hardware that, that I make is the Floor Vista. And it has kind of a, I, I've got a US patent pending on it right now, but basically the, um, the locators from the set kind of go over USB to the device on, on stage. So I can have my computer off stage. I can have my oak board floor vista at my feet. I can see what song is coming up, be sure of it when I push play. And um, I think that's really the the one that people really haven't figured out yet. People haven't been like, oh, why would I need this? Um, yeah. But I think that's the, that's the one in my mind is like, I don't know what I would do every Sunday if I didn't have that right now. It's just sort of, it's it's sort of a like game changer for me. Um, and And it's... And those are probably the one the the ranking of of what people buy and the mini is sort of uh, popular I think among um, people in the playback world who are dedicated playback engineers. So your side stage, okay. you have two computers. You're you just need to start and stop for Weezer or Post Malone or whoever's big show you're 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 supporting. And so it's it's kind of sitting side stage, and then the other. Um, slide duo some people wanted like a you know a little throw for vocals or they they mm. wanted like a a master filter to to bring down the volume of the tracks and um, a lot of a lot of dj style setups will have one of those on stage to 
you know, kind of be able to do a little more playing with the with the, the playback tracks and everything. So yeah, yeah. That, that's that's kind of in a nutshell. I also have a little bit of software, some Max for Live devices, uh, Taz. There's there's three versions of Taz, and those all basically are just designed as a queue list manager. Um, Ableton Live is is I think you use it without any kind of queue list manager, um, but I've found it helps to kind of know okay what song am I on and, and be able to visually see that as well on on the floor vista is real helpful for me and so um, created that it wasn't intentionally intentional to be a floor of queue list manager but as I was developing Taz I originally had kind of a, a queue list display but figured out you know how to kind of incorporate the previous next play stop kind of stuff into it so. Um, yeah. Taz, Taz is the main one, and then I've got a couple other um, devices that have come up out of my own need. Like uh, there's a there's a um, start on time app that you yeah, know, that's great for anybody who who does a show, you know, and they're the they're the ones running tracks, but they don't want to run on stage at the beginning of the countdown or whatever. Um, you can set it to you know at, at eight p.m. This will start the playhead of the Ableton Transport, and you know your your show will basically be underway without you having to go on stage and push play. So that's really good. Yeah, I Jeff. The thing I love about your stuff is you know I did a video um, a couple weeks ago where I kind of broke down like best MIDI controllers for 2023. And I try to do that yearly, mm-hmm. and at the beginning I tried to kind of do a. Um, MKBHD style, like let's look back at, at what got us here. Um, mm-hmm. And I ended up ju- ended up doing it kind of uh, selfishly because it just took me back to the early days of running tracks, and mm. um, and it really was like let me take something that was created for finger drumming or for beat making or for mixing and try to like incorporate it into my rig and deal with okay when I press it. I can't tell you the amount of conversations I've had with people using Korg nano controls and they just deal with the fact that it like double triggers and they just like click really quickly, um, <laughs> yeah. you know? And, and so yeah. I, when, particularly every time I like showcase your gear and talk about it, um, I, I talk about the, the amount of thought that, and again, the separation between you and a giant company that makes a lot of stuff is you are in mm. the world and, and you're, you're making something specific for a specific need. And yeah. so you, you may buy an Oakboard Mini and go, well, how do I program drums on it? And it's like, well, you, I guess you could if you really needed to. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's, it's custom made for a custom purpose. And there's such freedom in stepping on stage for me um, and just having play stop previous next. And just knowing, um, e- even hearing you say that you engineered it to where it's not like going to trigger a thousand times, you know, yeah. if I press it slightly. That's, that's yeah. huge. Absolutely huge. Yeah, I... Um... So I've had a couple conversations. One, somebody wanted me to make, um, uh, what's the Livid Ohm, the Livid Ohm controller? Yeah. Livid's not around anymore, but they, they have this, this a giant thing full of like sliders and, and uh, buttons. And, and it's, uh, it's, it's really cool. And it's like built like a tank, but uh, you can't get them anymore. And somebody's like, hey, maybe you should make this. And I'm like, I don't want to get into like multifunction this does everything kind of MIDI control. I just kind of, I'm, I'm trying to stay focused on making tools for people. Like you said, that, um, it just kind of does this one job and I feel like that's yeah. my sweet spot. And so, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, making the, 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 
drum MIDI controller or whatever is not my thing. I I, I really do some. I really want to do something that just kind of um, hits that spot for people who are running playback. And I, I think you know, as I've kind of justified my existence as a business, I think um, what I've kind of told myself is that more bands, whether you go to a, you know a, a small club or bar down the street, or whether you go to an arena or stadium they're just going to have computers on stage. It's, it's kind of the yeah. way our, our tastes are going. We want, we want our shows to sound like the record or the, 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 what do we call it? The MP3, the, the Spotify stream. We want this, yeah. we want the shows to sound like the recording and, um, and people are used to tuning and all that stuff live now. And so it, there's just like more and more need for people to have computers on stage. So um, I think, you know, I'm, I'm pretty well, entrenched in big shows and I'm I'm always blown away and grateful and surprised when a new order comes through for somebody that I didn't even know would use tracks but um, I think there's more and more people who are who are figuring out and thanks to you probably that, that I can actually you know do this I can actually run my computer on stage with with my band and not crash and burn so yeah so before I knew you as Jeff at Oaktone, I knew you as the guy that I met teaching in a worship conference. And you said, hey, I'm a certified trainer too. Um, yeah. when, when did you become, uh, which I'd really have to think about what year that was. That was so long ago. But yeah. when did you become an Ableton Life certified trainer? And what was, um, uh, why was that important to you? Um, uh, 20, 2013. They did an okay. intake in Hong Kong. I think it was the first time they did an intake in Asia. So 2013, I became an Ableton certified trainer. And I think, um, I don't know. I, I Part of it was important because I just wanted to, I was kind of doing a bit of everything. I was doing a bit of of my full-time job at the church. And then I was also trying to, um, you know, do music production. And I was doing a little bit of teaching. I had some students in, in Hong Kong and I was, um, so having that extra certification, I think just goes a long way. People kind of see it as, as a, a valuable thing. And also I know now that I, now that I've done it, um, it does show that you, you know a lot about Ableton and you have yeah. kind of, you know, figured out the ins and outs and they, they do a good job of, of not making it too onerous, but they also kind of have their trainers continue to, you know, stay up to date on the latest versions of their software and all that kind of stuff. So I appreciate that. Um, it is kind of a good, um, I know that there are a ton of people out there that know more than me that aren't trainers, but it is a good litmus test for how well you know Ableton. So yeah, I, I think one of the things I loved so much about um, going through that process was, and, and I'm going to link to, I was making a note as you're talking, because I'm going to link to the uh, one of the first Behind the Space Fire episodes I did about uh, what it means to become a certified trainer, what the process looks like, what it doesn't mean. Because mm. I think a lot of times, you know, I get emails all the time from people that say, hey, I want to become an Ableton Live certified trainer because I really want to learn Ableton. And I'm like, mm. well... You know, it's not like yeah. a Pro Tools certification or a Logic certification where you go somewhere for a weekend. And that's not to d demean people that have gotten that because I know very intelligent people that, I mean, I, let's be honest, I question their intelligence that they use Pro Tools, but that's another podcast <laughs> for another day. But um, 
you know, it, it's it's not going to a classroom, um, learning about something, taking a test, and then just right. kind of going on. Uh, and Ableton as a company did such a good job in that experience of let's let's like make sure they really understand how to teach. Let's make sure they understand enough about different styles of music and how different people create to be able to relate to that. And there was there was definitely certain like it's called session view. It's called arrangement view. Do not call it this view and that view. Like there's certain very particular things, but then there are also moments of like, you just teach the way you teach the same way that each of us in the room. When I did my certification in Seattle, um, some of us taught a, a certain way. Some of us enjoyed a certain type of music, but each of us brought this kind of really cool vibe to the experience and did it in our own way, which I think Ableton does really well. Okay. One more question about certification. Then I want to yeah. step back one further, one step further. And we're doing this in reverse. Like, okay, um, yeah. I want to talk about your music, kind of your history with music and what you do with music, what you currently do now. Um, yeah. but, um, in what ways has your has you being becoming a certified trainer, your certification, what ways has that benefited you from twenty thirteen when you got that till till now? Hmm. Um uh, that that's that's how has it benefited me? I think I think there are definitely um students that I've taught that have found me because I'm on the ableton.com webpage for certified certified trainers and um and I'm in Hong Kong and so people locally have reached out. I had a guy that lived in Singapore but nobody was in Singapore at the time so he came over to Hong Kong and did some training. So I think cool. I think just kind of uh direct directly getting students as it's helped me that way. Um but I think it's also I think it, it's it's sort of like having um, credentials that you're not sure what doors these have opened, but I think it's useful. And I think I think um, like you said that they do a great job and they they um, they kind of make sure it's 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 sort of a vetting process more than a training program, but it's it's. Yeah. I think it's open doors because it's it's almost like having you know credentials after your name. If you say Jeff Kaler, Ableton certified trainer, I think um, I don't want to say it's like some cool club, but I, I feel like people just have respect for Ableton and, and the folks that they vetted, and so I, th I think it's hard to put a finger on doors that it's open from that standpoint. Um, I do think it's I, I think the community that you have there. Um, yeah. and they don't want you to talk a lot about <laughs> what you have, but, um, there is, there's certain online, you know, groups that you're a, a part of that are valuable and just the relationships with other certified trainers is, is super important to me too. So I would say that's a, a huge benefit. Uh, tell us a little bit about your like musical journey. Uh, you know, obviously you shared being a music director, being a worship leader in church and that informing a lot of, which I think is cool that that's informed a lot of decisions and directions you've gone with Oaktone, but kind of as, as succinct or as, as, um, you know, elaborate as you want to be kind of take us through how you got into music, uh, what you've done in the music world and kind of what you're currently doing as far as it pertains to like a music perspective. Cool. Yeah. Um, I studied music in high school and college and decided in college that I was not a singer. I was a songwriter and I would not be um, singing the songs that I wrote. In fact, one of my, uh, I have a 
I don't know if I'd call it a regret, but my grandfather passed away um, just after college, and I wrote a song in his honor, but I I didn't even feel qualified to sing it, so I had like the the worship leader at that church sing it because I felt like uh, he's got a singing voice and I'm just a songwriter. So um, I just kind of say that to say I, I just never saw myself as a singer. And so I thought maybe someday I'll score films or I'll do music for, you know, commercials, jingle writer or something like that. And so um, kind of got into um, radio and broadcasting and thinking I would get into jingle writing. And then I just kind of kept in radio and I did like radio production for commercials doing actual editing on some of the very first I was doing editing on like reel to reel machines and then I was also you know doing that that was like our backup was on the reel to reel and then we'd record into um, old software called Turtle Beach and it's like some early early sonic solutions um, um, some early DAWs and so I did did a lot of just radio production, sound effects, music, that kind of thing with voiceover, and then um, went to Colorado, worked at Focus on the Family, which a lot of people probably know for the political views of the, the founder, but it's actually, it was actually at the time, it was a really like prestigious audio, you know, broadcasting company. They, they mm. you know, a lot of people in, in the Christian world really looked up to the audio production that was done at Focus, and... Um, I still have high opinions of all the stuff they, they do there, did at the time. And um, so I was part of that for almost 10 years. And um, oh, wow. okay. at, at, the, at the tail end of that, I kind of went through some personal stuff and um, was doing some songwriting and wrote some very personal songs and, and was like, okay, I'm going to... I was posting on message boards some of my ideas and was getting positive feedback about my voice. And so I was like, okay, maybe I'll just... Um, record a few of these songs and um, ended up recording an album called OK um, that I got into the hands of some folks at Christianity Today, one of the publications in the Christian world that, that does stuff like that. And they they reviewed the album and then they ended up putting me on like their top 12 albums of 2007 list. Um, oh, wow. Which was kind of like... I. I yeah, it was it was just a, a cool honor, and that ended up kind of getting circulated my name a, a little bit on online, and so that was a cool like uh, moment. I, I actually I don't know if you know this, but I actually presented at the Dove Awards that year um, because of because that's you know of the album, and it was I was on stage with Need to Breathe, and uh, oh, it was wow. kind of a fun yeah. I was presented award for. Um, uh, yeah, it was a, a gospel album award. Anyway, kind of a fun experience. That's and, really cool. Um, moved to Hong Kong shortly after that and did another album. And I think I uh, got a taste of reality because I don't think anybody in, the, in America cares about music that's produced outside of America, um, at, at least uh, on that scale of independent stuff. Yeah. So um, anyway, it was, it was a little more challenging with the second project to get much... Um, much happening with it, but um, it was around the same time that I had got more comfortable singing that I was asked by like three different churches to lead worship for them. And um, again, it was kind of like one of these things where I was like, okay, um, I just need to kind of walk through these doors that seem seem to be being opened, um, not by my power. So um, I did that. I, I came to Hong Kong, um, took my first full time 
worship leading job here at the church in Hong Kong called Island ECC. And um, they've been super gracious with, with allowing me to experiment using tracks and all that stuff. And that's really where I cut my teeth on using Ableton and, and um, figuring out my own best practices. And then, um, you know, I, I remember those were the days of you and KP and um, oh, yeah. a, a, just a, a handful of people who were doing any kind of content online, and it was always uh, super valuable to to find those videos and and learn from you and and Christian and I yeah, call that so. the dark ages because that's when I was talking <laughs> about session views. So uh, <laughs> thankfully, most of those videos don't. And that, that's yeah. what's so ironic to me is people are like, "Oh, you just all you use is a range of view," and I'm like, "Buddy, you got no idea." <laughs> You got no idea, my friend. Yeah. I would just leave it at that. As far as uh, music, and I know we've, we've gone longer than, than I should have, so I don't want to take too much more of your time, but as far as um, what you do musically now, are, are you creating music um, now, writing songs? Uh, are you regularly you know, leading worship at church? Kind of what, what's your like musical output look like currently? Yeah, still, um, still regularly leading music at church. We do some original music at church. Um, I think it's been a year or so since we've written an original song, but uh, for some reason, Will, every time Christmas comes around, uh, Lior and I get inspired and we write a new song for Christmas. Nice. So I don't, I don't know why, but we kind of have, have done that in the past few years. So um, the latest song that we've written is probably a, a Christmas song um, under the moniker Renew Worship. And then okay, um, I also had an opportunity, and, and this was sort of a, a wild thing, but a, a very good friend... Um, made a movie. He's a he. He was a filmmaker here in Hong Kong, and um, invited me to to do the soundtrack. Even though I had never done a soundtrack, he was like, "I'd rather have people on this project who I'm good friends with and who I can trust." And so we kind of co-composed the soundtrack for a full-length feature film called *The Calm Beyond*. Um, the director was Josh Joshua Wong, and he actually um, passed away from cancer in twenty. Uh, just a couple, just shortly after we finished the film, it was actually signed for international distribution by Sony, and so it's actually a uh, a cool kind of swan song for Josh. But it was um, it was a great opportunity for me to kind of experience one of those things that I'd wanted to do since my early days of getting into music. So um, yeah, can add. Uh, add a film composer to that list of things that makes me feel important now. So that's good. Yeah, there you go. That's awesome. Well, we'll have to put a link to, um, <clears throat> we'll connect offline. I'll gr- grab yeah, yeah. some links and put in the show notes, all that stuff, which is really cool. Someone listening to this, including myself, because uh, thank God I was certified before Max for Life was a thing and was a qualification for like understanding and knowing. So <clears throat> I have never once done anything. I've never created a Max for Life device. Um, a good good buddy of mine, Tyler, who works with me and um, I've known him for many, many years, he just texted me the other day. He's like, hey, I finished the Max for Life device I was working on. Um, so I know that like, uh, I have friends that, that love it, use it, do great stuff. That stuff you've created with it is amazing. Um, someone listening to this that is intrigued with about Max Alive and wants mm. to get started. What's the one thing you suggest they do to start? Um, there is a, oh man, uh, I didn't see this question coming, Will, but that's okay. I, I, I have a, 
uh, I can't remember the name of the course. I want to say Clavio, but I don't think that's right. But there's a there's a course that's free online that is really expansive. It I want to say it's out of um, it's out of San Francisco. There's a school in San Francisco, and they they publish it. And um, I'll I'll find it and and send it. We can put it in the show notes. But it's actually yeah, a please, yeah. a really valuable um, Max course. And all the stuff in Max, of course, is applicable to Max for Live. I think that's a distinction that maybe people don't know is Max was a separate program by Cycling 74. Then Ableton acquired that company. And so it's all sort of like blended together now. If you if you can do something in Max, then you can do something in Max for Live. Max for Live okay. has a few objects that pertain to Ableton Live specifically. But um, so Max is a is a visual object programming language, uh, meaning you can use JavaScript to, to connect the dots, but you can also just use like a little, little cable, um, to connect, say, um, you know, output to, you know, a sine wave and that you can just use a little cable and that sine wave will go out the cable or, or a metronome device. The click will go out, you know, your audio thing or make a, a light blink or whatever. So there are, okay. um, it's, it's object, Object oriented? Is, am I saying that right? It's it's visual. It's visual language. So, yeah, you're, you're just connecting lines. You're not really writing code. Um, which for me, that's really great. I'm kind of a very visual person. So, um, yeah, I, it's. Um, I would say this this course just actually doing some um, basic education on this course is was really valuable for me and just kind of learning some of the the basics on it. Um, it's a it's a Here's just a a free thing. If you look, if you open a Max patch and you look at the devices, everything is happening from the right to the left. So that's opposite of what we normally read. But everything is happening from the right to the left. So if there's a cable going down out of a device to the right, and there's another cable coming out of the device to the left, it's going to process what's happening out of the right first. Um, and that's just one of the many things that I learned in this course. That was like, okay, that's not intuitive, but now that I know that that can solve a ton of problems that you're facing when you're first learning the program. So that's amazing. Yeah. Well, by the time you're listening to this, we've got a link to that in the show notes to check out, um, yeah. which is something I'm definitely going to check out. And then, um, yeah. So thanks for that, Jeff. That's super, super helpful. Um, yeah. and then finally, where can people follow what you're doing with Oaktone, find more about the company or follow you personally? Yeah, I'm most active at, uh, Instagram. Um, just Instagram and then Oak, Oaktone official. But if you just search Oaktone, you'll find me. Um, and then Oaktone.com is the website. And uh, we're going to start doing a bit more um, um, email content. So if people want to sign up for the the email list there, um, you'll be able to find out more about us. And I promise it won't just be a, a spammy place to get a ton of emails from us. So <clears throat> Yeah. It, if you want a spammy place to get a ton of emails uh, from studiotostage.com, great place to go there. <laughs> At least I've been told that. Uh, well, Jeff, man, thank you so much. This has been amazing. Um, thank you, one, to let me know. You're recording this on your Saturday, my Friday, so I'm thankful to yeah. know the earth uh, that we did continue for one more day. The stun does so come up today. To so, yeah. yeah, that's good. Um, but, man, thank you so much. Thanks uh, Thanks for what you do. And I really do mean this. Um, thanks for what you do for folks in the playback community and um, 
you, you can see the you can see the intention and the effort and the care. I think I've said this on videos before, but you really true can see um, the intention and the care that you put into your software and your hardware in particular. So, uh, you know, on behalf of all of us using Ableton for playback or QLab or God forbid Pro Tools for playback, um, you know, thank you for what you're doing. And, and it really does show and really um, makes our jobs a whole lot easier for sure. Thanks, man. That means a ton, especially coming from you. I I am so grateful for uh, not just your uh, constant promotion of Oaktone stuff, um, which I, I I feel like I'm I've benefited a lot from from that. But I'm also just grateful for the content you make, um, the the stuff that I learn from you still, and uh, yeah. So really appreciate it, and, and uh, means a lot coming from. You. Thanks, Jeff. So I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jeff as much as I enjoyed having that conversation with him. We, we really had to cut down the conversation because we went almost over an hour. Uh, so there's stuff I cut out uh, that I wish I could have included in this podcast. And honestly, I told Jeff uh, he could come back and we could do another hour or two um, on, on this because it's just really great guy to talk uh, to and about life and about music and uh, business and the things he's doing. Uh, I would highly encourage you to support what Jeff is doing. You can find links below. Uh, and in fact, when you click those links, you're not only supporting Jeff, but you'll also support me. So Jeff has been uh, generous enough to set up an affiliate thing with me, which basically means when you purchase something from Jeff, it costs you nothing extra, but he's going to send me a little bit of what you purchased just to say, hey, well, thanks for sending these kind folks my way. So if you like the products, Jeff, uh, has and uh, some of the stuff we talked about in the episode. Click the links in the description of this episode in the show notes of this episode and you can go to Jeff's site. And again, it costs you nothing extra to support my channel and my efforts as well when you do that, which is uh, really great. I think it's important to support folks like Jeff because again, I love that um, the internet, I love that technology is at a place where an individual with an idea can prototype, create a product, create software that's literally used on stages around the world with some of the world's biggest artists. In fact, when we ended the call, Jeff mentioned a couple of people he couldn't mention on the um, on the podcast, on the recording, that are using Oaktone stuff. And uh, I mean, they're the artists you're listening to on the radio. Like it's, it's literally, you can go to Jeff's site and see some of the people that are there that were willing to put their name in the press, not because of fear of affiliation with Jeff, but fear of being found out that they use backing tracks. Uh, surprise everyone uses backing tracks. I know you don't because you're a real musician, but everyone else does. Um, but yeah, Jeff is just doing some really cool stuff. And again, I love that you heard me ask in the pod, but um, I love that, you know, there's companies with giant factories around the world creating MIDI controllers and products. But uh, a guy in Hong Kong is creating amazing products, incredibly well-made, custom-built, that are very simple and very elegant. So go check out Jeff's stuff. Um, super excited for the things he has coming. He, he maybe let me in a little bit on a secret of some stuff that's coming and uh, I can't wait. The future is bright over at the Oaktone shop. So um, Jeff, thanks for being a part of today's episode. Again, you could find links on how to reach out to him uh, as well as find his products in the description and the show notes. Uh, if you want to become a From Studio to Stage uh, community member, subscriber, head to fromstudiotostage.com slash subscribe. And finally, if you're watching on YouTube, consider hitting the subscribe button. It's free. Uh, it's a way to support my efforts, enable the bell icon so you don't miss any videos. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you know what to do. Leave a rating, review, follow, subscribe. It's free to you. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next one. Take care, everybody. Bye.